about the people. Yep, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Husker Extra Podcast. Think about uh, the people. Hap- yeah. Think Happy about National the people. Podcast Day. Did you guys know it was International Podcast Day today? Yeah, it's thrilling. <laughs> Look at how excited Sipple is. Look at how excited he is. Who, who makes Locked up those dark things? office? Yes, it's not dark. Yesterday, um, it was like National Coffee Day. Um, I don't know. Those things are kind of annoying. There's a national something day every single day. Yeah, it's yeah. annoying. But this it's is annoying. international. For our international. Oh, well, that's less annoying yeah. then. This is worldwide. So For our international audience. The world. I wonder what they're doing in Barbados, if they're doing a serious – what is God. it? International – what is it? I'd love to be in Barbados right now. International What's podcast day. I wonder if they're doing a bunch of podcasts in Barbados today. I doubt it. Probably not. They're not doing one on Husker football. I'll tell you that. Much. Their leading export is rum. Um, and they have, I can tell you, their rum is fabulous. And the second leading export is bananas. And their bananas are pretty good, too. Don't you bring back enough hot sauce from the Caribbean to have that be like yeah. the third leading export? I yeah, I think, I don't, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I still have hot sauce from three years ago. Barbados sauce? Yeah, I'd take it into restaurants. Um, it was get, Put it on the white fish. Really oh, yeah, put it on the white fish. That's exactly right, Matt. You oh. should try to bring it, bring it to Columbus in late October. That'd be a risk, though, see if you can get it through security at the airport. Yeah. Well, well, Simple so you can see it at the airport with this hot sauce. Yeah, I caused a huge scene, Parker knows, with my phone one time, and Parker got a big charge out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this story. <laughs> we don't have to tell it here, but it's oh, a good story. Don't. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's launch. Right, let's get into it. Here we go. Uh, football. We talked to some football players and coaches yesterday. It almost kind of felt like a normal, a normal bit of football stuff, other than the fact that it was over Zoom. Zoom. We got a defensive yeah. coordinator, Eric Shenander, uh, defensive backs coach, Travis Fisher, linebackers coach, uh, Mike Dawson. Also talked to Jojo Doman, Deontay Williams, as, as the guys kind of get practice going today, starting in pads today uh, over at the compound. So I'll, we'll, we'll start off with this. This is kind of a, a broad-based question, but I guess what was maybe the thing that maybe stood out to both of you guys from what we heard yesterday? Go ahead, Parker. I think, I mean, I thought the thing that stood out most, um, and I wrote about this yesterday, was Travis Fisher talking about the impact of the pandemic. You know, it really wasn't – I got, okay, two things. I thought it was really nice, and a lot of, I heard a lot of people say this, not just in Lincoln but around the Big Ten. It was really nice this week to be talking – about football with coaches and players and moving toward football. That was great. And, and the, you know, I, it was, it was, it was awesome to like talk to Mike Dawson about setting the edge and run defense and generating pass rush and like things that are actually about the game. I thought the most interesting thing that was said was probably Travis Fisher talking openly about the impact of the pandemic, um, not just among, you know, players, but, but coaches and people in the workforce to, um, and, and sort of in that vein, addressing the three um, 2020 guys from Florida that have transferred out, uh, Keyshawn Green, Jaden Francois, and Henry Gray. Um, so I, that was interesting. I thought that, thought that was frank talk from, from Travis Fisher. I know, Sip, we talked a little bit about that on the two-minute drill yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- those were the things that jumped out to me. And then just, you know, I, Deontay Williams, the way he smiled and lit up when he talked about he was ready to go play and ready to hit somebody and, and, and that he thought that he had a lot to prove this year um, as a senior. I mean, those are the things that jump out, I guess, in my mind right off the top. 
Yeah, there's as far as the if we stay on defense here, Eric Chenander, as you said, was part of this discussion. I thought what Chenander said about the need for the defense to generate its own energy, I think that's a really important discussion at Nebraska and everywhere. Um, I've been struck by that watching games. It first hit me, okay, this whole idea of a defense needing to generate its own energy. I was watching the Chiefs Chargers and the Chargers desperately needed a stop late in the game. Uh, not this past Sunday, but the previous one. And they're on their home field, the beautiful new $5 billion stadium in Inglewood, California. And there was no people there and they needed to stop. And I just thought, man, they could use a crowd right now because they look tired. Um, they're chasing around those, those uh, Chiefs skill guys and they just look winded. And sometimes that crowd, that juice from a home, from a, that juice from a home crowd makes a big difference. It's not, it's not there. I, I, thought, I thought the same thing watching LSU late against Mississippi State. They needed stops. They looked winded, and there was no energy. Um, defense, defense is all about emotion and energy. And man, a crowd can help a defense. We've seen it a zillion times. So. What do you do? I mean, what you have to do, and I, and I remember this discussion coming up when Pelini was the coach and they were going to play Daryl Hazel's team at Purdue and Purdue is not winning any games and there were people in the stands and there was a concern there. Like, you know, the discussion was, well, you don't really have to worry about going to Purdue because it's so quiet. Well, that can be a problem. And the big thing was we got to force turnovers early. We got to get a sack or something big to put a charge into the guys. So listen, I think that's a gigantic discussion in college football right now. And it might be why scoring's on a record pace. I mean, their teams are averaging over 30 points a game across the board. And that's a record pace. And I just wonder how much of that has to do with the lack of crowds. Yeah, that's a great point, Sip. I'll kind of dovetail off that a little bit. They do need to create their own juice. I, I think the thing that stuck to me was Shenander's quote about uh, when he said leadership is a contact sport. Um, yeah. You know, being around, just being around the guys so they can see your mannerisms so he can grab a guy or, or look a guy in the eye or give a guy a hug. You know, there's only so much you can do over Zoom as far as when you're presenting a scheme or presenting, you know, you're trying to install a blitz or whatever it may be. That's all well and good, but you still got to go out on the field and do it. And these guys are all teachers. These guys, the coaching staff, are all teachers. And it's it's tough to teach football when you're not on a football field. So I, th I just thought the way he phrased that, leadership is a contact sport, I thought that was a really interesting way to phrase that because it makes a lot of sense. Because you can – and some other guys said it too. You know, they, they maybe can't hear the inflection of your voice over a Zoom call or they can't see the expressions you're trying to make with your face or with your hands or whatever. So being able to get on the field and, and do that too, I think will help these guys. And I think that kind of – kind of feeds into the energy discussion a little bit, right? Because it's the, you, you want your players to be able to create energy, but the coaches have to be able to do it too when the players aren't able to do it. So being, being able to get all those guys together on the field, I think, is, a, is hugely important. Hey, Parker, when, when, you're the beat writer. You're the beat writer here. Um, what is the practice situation? They have been practicing. Right. How, how long and how does it change now? Yeah, so um, it doesn't actually – it's not changing, I guess, right at the, at the moment, except for that they can move into, be, you know, having full pads on. Um, and, and Eric Schneider talked about that too. So what just 
just quickly, the structure was they were limited to 12 hours per week, um, you know, with the coaches um, up until the time that the schedule was announced a couple of weeks ago. September 16th. Right. And then, yeah, September 16th. So the past 14 days um, since there's been games on the schedule, they're allowed to go 20 hours a week, which is essentially what you get during the season. I mean, in a normal season, there are a couple weeks at the outset of preseason camp where you sort of have unlimited uh, access to the players because school's not uh, in session. And so you can have them there basically all day. And that's where you see the late night, you know, uh, motivation, some sort of like speaker at night or team building activities or whatever, when they're sort of together all day. But now, you know, that that's not the case now um, because school's going on. So they're 20 hours a week. And then beginning today, Wednesday, um, it's 3.18 p.m. right now. So well, um, the, it's uh, t- 20 hours per week and they can, they can be in full pads now from here uh, through, um, you know, the rest of the season until they get going against Ohio State. So um, basically, you know, most of the time um, for week one, game week is extended a little bit at least. I mean, they'll be, uh, they'll be working on, you know, they, they might even be doing a little bit of here. This is, you know, Ohio State will do this or Wisconsin week two. You know, you start to put a little bit of that in or at least think about it. And then they'll probably be doing that fully, uh, you know, sometime around two weeks from now. Uh, late in the week of, of October 12th and then, and then into game week. Another thing that Fisher said yesterday that Baz wrote was Fisher talking about the depth at receiver. He was asked specifically who has stood out. He did not want to get into names, um, did Travis Fisher, the secondary coach, but he did have some remarks like they have now six, seven, eight guys who you got to kind of be worried about. Um, you know, there's some obvious ones. Wandale Robinson's an obvious one. I would say Omar Manning's an obvious one. Who are we talking about there, Parker? Yeah, I think so. First of all, I thought when, when he was answering that question, I thought, man, he's really kind of going around this one. He does not want to talk about this. But then he dropped that. Like, it's not just one or two guys you have to worry about. It's six or seven, maybe eight. And I thought, oh, well, that turned into an interest, interesting answer very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't know, obviously, um, who exactly he was referencing, but I think you can, you know, like you say, those two, um, we've heard good things about Alante Brown, the freshman um, from Chicago by way of doing a, a post-grad year, a high school post-grad year in Connecticut. Um, I think that probably um, Marcus Fleming and Xavier Betts, a couple freshmen, you know, are around that conversation at least. Um, yep. Cade Warner, obviously, you know, the, the, the most veteran guy in the room, the guy who's uh, played in the most games in the room. Um, and then I don't think you can forget about the, a pair of walk-ons in Levi Falk, the graduate transfer from South Dakota, um, and Ty Han, the, the freshman from Johnson Brock. I've heard good things about Han and just the way that he's adjusted, not only as a freshman walk-on, but uh, as a guy who played eight-man football in his high school career and then comes up the road to, to Lincoln and he's caught on fast. I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to see the field week one against Ohio State, but uh, I would not be surprised if he's at least around the two deep uh, whenever we see something like that. You know what? You know what intrigues me? What intrigues you, know what, you Simple? You know what, I bet I know. Go ahead. Bass, Mexican food. Bass, you guys will both – well, Yeah. Um, you know what? 
think about this. You guys have followed sports. You played them. Um, Elante Brown was the best, was judged to be the best football player in the city of Chicago. That means something to me. I mean, if, if I, I mean, think about being judged the best football player in the city of Chicago. Now, Chicago's a basketball town. I get it, but there's still, I don't know, is there 3 million people in that city? Um, that, that, that's a huge designation. And you know what? Everything we're hearing is that Elante Brown is a big part of the equation already. Yeah. You know, is that what you yeah, say? Some, yeah, Go definitely. Ahead. I mean, I think, I think you've got just Baz go ahead here in a sec, but the, I think like there's a, I mean, there's a, he's got a couple things working for him. One, you know, he, he played quarterback at, at Simeon high school in Chicago. And then after that, he used a, a year after high school at St. Thomas More in Connecticut um, you know, to play out of the backfield and sort of start to learn that. Um, and that, I mean, that having that extra year under his belt, just playing um, in addition to having experience, you know, playing a position like quarterback, it's a year of physical maturity, of, of mental maturity, so on and so forth. And then to get to campus in January, I mean, he's had now, I mean, you know, it's going to be 10 months he's been on campus by the time they play those are a couple of big marks in his favor, uh, in addition to what apparently are, you know, is a pretty impressive physical skill set. Go ahead, Bass. Uh, yeah, it's a deal, too, where there's, there's playing time to be had, right? Like the, the Travis Fisher quote said it all. You had maybe one or two guys last year, and we know one of those guys isn't here anymore in, in J.D. Spielman, a guy that, that caught the majority of the passes. So there's, there's passes to be caught. There's, there's playing time to be had, and, and – Parker laid it out perfectly. Elante Brown's at a pretty distinct advantage over some of those other first-year guys, those freshmen especially, just with the time that he's been here. It's almost like I'll compare it to a college basketball player since I'm the college basketball writer. So often you see those guys take a take a post-grad year and go to go to somewhere and they fill out physically. They, they learn to play the game a little higher level and then they get to college and they're ready to go. Now it's not the same thing, but, man, it doesn't hurt. And like you said, you're, you're talking about a kid that was rated the best – football player in the city of Chicago took a year to, to improve and get his game even more. And now is that almost another year on top of that to be in the system and learn it and to get used to the college life. So, yeah, that's a guy I think that, that we really need to keep an eye on over these next few weeks to see how he fits in. Yeah. I think Parker would agree go, now going away a little bit from the receiver discussion of that the tied in discussion will, I think Travis Volklek will be prominent in it. Is that right, Parker? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a veteran room, obviously, so there'll be a lot of competition. They've had a lot of guys that have played games um, for Nebraska there, and and Jack Stoll is a senior, and then Austin Allen and Kurt Raftall as juniors. Vokalek, also a junior. Um, You know, Rutgers transfer sat out last year, but similar – I mean, in a way, it's a similar conversation, right, to Elante Brown in terms of the amount of time for a guy that hasn't suited up and played for Nebraska yet. He's had a ton of time all of last year. Uh, to, to learn the offense and, and to get comfortable playing with Nebraska's quarterbacks. And then, you know, the last 10 months um, being eligible and not just, you know, playing on the scout team or whatever um, that, that he's a guy who his, you know, physical skill set he's six, six and two fifty and, and is a more of a, a natural pass catcher. I think you know, yeah. you've heard Sean yeah. Beckton say basically since he got here, that the thing that he's had to work most on with the guys who he inherited, which is all of them who are, you know, have a significant role at this point, uh, Stoll, Allen, and Raftall, 
that they're all, they can all block, but it's been, none of them are sort of like born and bred natural route runners and pass catchers. And so that's been the development arc for those guys. Vokalek, I think, is a little bit more the other way around. He is that. He is, he is that. Yeah. yeah, he's certainly physically capable of blocking, and he's going to have to to block, obviously, um, in order to carve out a big role in this offense. But uh, he's a down-the-field threat. He can run. Uh, and I'm really interested. I mean, one of the things about having no spring ball and then, you know, no ability to even go over there and watch – you know, running around for a half hour or whatever um, before they line up and play Ohio State is you just don't know. They could roll out there October 24th and you could look at Travis Volkolek and you could say, um, he didn't even get on the field. Or you could come out of October 24th saying, God, the guy looks like an NFL player. It's just, we're That's not going to know. Jones. Yeah, it could be anywhere on there. It is. Simple just compared a guy. Yeah, there you go. He's better than Travis Kelsey. To Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that started his kidding. career at Rutgers and transferred to Nebraska and yeah. has yet to play. I just wanted to get I just wanted to see if you're awake, Pat. <laughs> so are. I mean, but we do, we still know. And, and that's gonna be the case for a lot of guys, right? I mean, there's gonna be a lot of guys who the first time you see them in pads. The first time you see them play in any capacity is going to be live against Ohio State in the horseshoe. It's crazy. It's going to be, yeah, so weird. Weird. be fun. It's going to be so weird. Fun, yeah. though. It'll be fun. Now, we fun. Didn't, yeah. yeah, we didn't mention – I don't think we did unless I – Baz did. I just wasn't listening. Um, joking. Probably. Um, Hick, Hickman. Yeah, I, mean, Hickman. Yeah, I forgot really, him talking about the receivers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really I, – I'm – I, for one, am very intrigued by what that looks like because, you know, I like bigger dudes, and he's like 6'5". I don't know. He's going to play tight end. Now they're going to split him out probably in sort of a dual-type role. Well, he's listed. I mean, his position, and and Matt Lubick said this on the radio, I mean, his position is hard. Like, he plays the same spot technically that Wando Robinson plays. That move player, he could be out wide. He could be in the slide. He could be in the backfield. He could be flexed. Um, I get back type, but yeah, they're going to ask him to do a lot of different stuff. He seems kind of like the forgotten guy a little bit. I know we just kind of joked about that, but you, it's it seems like that happens a lot. Like we talk about Lawndale and Omar Manning and Alante Brown and Xavier Betts, and oh by the way, they got a six five, two hundred thirty pound dude that played a few games last year and kind of looked all right. That, that might yeah. play a pretty big role this year. I just like catch radius. When when you you say why do you like tall receiver? I, I mean, yeah, what I like, do you like? You like I this. Didn't like, I like catch radius. I thought that a great example was when Akuda made that interception last year on that play. Uh, excuse me. Adrian was trying to throw the ball to Wandale over a defender. He would have had to drop it into a five foot eight player. It's not as hard to do that. It's not as hard to throw that pass to a guy who's six foot four. Yeah, um, the margin error gets bigger. Probably would have caught it, actually, and that would have been a huge play as opposed to a back-breaking play against Ohio State. It was. That was a, that was a killer interception. I thought the game was over at that point. The other thing uh, about – oh, go ahead, Sim. Sorry. No, that's it. I, I just – I think that – I do think recruiting bigger receivers like Omar Manning, using Hickman, um, Xavier Betts was critical. I think Scott would tell you that, too. Well, I think he has yeah. It's interesting with Hickman. I think it bears repeating, um, you know, as much as we talk, you know, every time we talk about him, 
it's, it's so interesting to me that he's a guy who, even at this point, you know, or up until this point, I guess, last year, you know, over the course of spring and in the summer leading into his, his freshman year, he was a guy who um, Sean Becton was, was said, like, he's not physically ready to play, you know, like he's, he's, he's going to be good. He's got a lot of skill set. He has the want to, but he's not physically ready to play. And then by the time the season arrived, it was kind of like, Hey, I mean, he's worked himself into a position where, you know, he might get to see some time and then it worked itself into a position from there where he was one of the guys, maybe one of the few guys, honestly, by the end of the year who they trusted to go out and block, block on the perimeter, block out of the backfield. Um, So among the skill position group, I think he's going to be really interesting because opponents, I'm not saying opponents are going to game plan around Chris Hickman from week one, but you have to decide how you want to deal with him. You know, do you put a linebacker on, you know, do you you account for him with a linebacker where he's going to have a chance to, to, to run by you or, or, or work in, in the passing game. And if you put a defensive back on the field to account for him, you know, he's, he's a physical kid. He's not afraid to go block. And so he's one of those guys that, Offensive coordinators and play callers love because he just gives you that versatility, um, you know, positionally and, and, and personnel-wise and with what he can do. Hey, guys, I think that the, the people would be interested in this. Tomorrow when we have the Zoom session with Nebraska, we will, we've just been informed we'll have Matt Lubick available, Greg Austin, the O-line coach, Sean Becton, the tight ends coach, um, Jurgens, the center and stole the tight end. So that'll, that, that's a good group of guys, right? Future Nebraska governor, Cam Jurgens. <laughs> Why do you say that? Just because he's the just future he's mayor the, of Beatrice, Cam Jurgens. Yeah, yeah, mayor of Beatrice. That's shooting pretty low for him, I think. Right. Wow. No, wow. no offense to me. Why would you disparage Beatrice? In such I didn't a mean it that way. I, you you know, com- I mean, there's more serious commentary ramifications on- for that. It was more commentary on Jurgen's stature, emerging, emerging stature. Yeah. What else? Well, what, yeah, what that'll else be interesting. Like, yeah, no, yeah. that'll be super interesting. It'll be good. We haven't really heard a whole lot from Lubick. We talked to him a little bit, you know, <laughs> back in. I'm just chill. What? <laughs> what? Just relax, just man. That's just, just relax. On the couch. Yeah, I'm worried about you. Just relax. No, I'm good. I'm late. I'm relaxed. There's no stress in my body whatsoever. Nope. Nope. Belts off. That's all right. That's good. <laughs> you sound like says like simple in his office status. Yeah, simple just does that in a public office. I do it in my own house. Um, is this public? I don't know. Are you wearing I'm shoes right now, simple? What's that? Are you wearing shoes? Yeah, oddly enough, I do have shoes on. Oddly enough, there it is. Uh, another name that was. That's all right. We're getting off track here. Let's get this thing back on the rails. Yeah. Uh, another name that was brought up yesterday. Uh, Nadab Joseph, the yeah. junior college defensive back, prized recruit, uh, joined Nebraska into August, beginning of July. Is that right? Or into July, beginning of August, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Sounds right. Months, so, and Travis Fisher talked about him a little bit, said he's still trying to play catch up, but he's, but he's fit in well. I guess what do you guys take away from, from, from what you heard about him? Go ahead, Parker. Yeah, I mean, I think – um, I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised by that. I wasn't surprised that that Fisher didn't go right to lavishing praise on the dab Joseph. And I'm sure there is an adjustment period there. I mean, the thing about Joseph for the people that don't know or need a refresher, 
I mean, he was a highly prized recruit um, out of high school and out of junior college. Um, he was, he flipped from Alabama to Georgia on national signing day in 2018 and then didn't qualify. So he ended up in, in junior college and then was pursued by both of those schools and other SEC schools over the course of his JUCO career. Um, committed to Nebraska, got here late in the summer, but he's only played, I want to say he's maybe played in five games or something like that, six games over the past two years. So um, he's a guy who's a freak athlete. Anybody who's been around him, coach him, will tell you that. Um, runs in the 4-4 range, 40-plus inch vertical. Uh, he's 6-2. I mean, he's a prototype for what you want at corner. Um, but he hasn't played a lot of ball recently, and so um, it's unclear exactly what kind of physical shape he's in. Obviously, there's a difference between training on your own and being in good shape and, and being in, you know, Big Ten football regular season shape. And so uh, not surprised that they're working him in. There's obviously a lot of competition in the secondary um, for playing time. Uh, but he's a guy who, especially with the way the eligibility waiver and the rules are this year, I mean, if he can help Nebraska, I mean, if, if he ends up being a starter, he ends up being a starter. But if he's a guy who can help Nebraska for 10 snaps this year, they're going to put him on the field for 10 snaps, you know. So um, that, that's a guy who just another guy in a secondary that really needs to be in, in you know, the strength of, of Nebraska's defense this year. You know, when you um, step back a little bit and look at recruiting and just one little snapshot of it, you, what, what did we mention about Alante Brown? So Nebraska recruited the, the number one player in Chicago. Nadab, Nadab Joseph was judged to be the number one Juco corner in the country, right? Yep. Omar Manning, was, he was judged to be the number one receiver in the country. Yeah, and they were two three of the players top three. Yeah, that's right, JUCO players in the country. So there you go. Now, now what that suggests to me is Nebraska is still able to, in in spots at least, get the very top athletes available, right? I mean, yep. those are all three high, I mean, big time guys that could go about anywhere. I mean, maybe not Alante Brown, but the other two. Got a lot of interest though. You know, Being Alante that, Brown. Yeah, that that post grad situation you know that'll that throws people off the scent occasionally but I, I seem to remember around the time that they went at Troy Walters I think it was it, it, after the design, December signing day went out or after the season ended in December went out to see him I remember it being you know it, it was it was nothing to sneeze at it was Virginia Tech and and a few other schools that were in on him so yeah he's he was highly recruited, not quite like Nadab Joseph, I guess. But but, but I, yeah, you know good. what? If if we if we did have the opportunity to go over there and watch, like we have so many years in the past, I think what you'd see would look pretty good from an athletic standpoint. I think it would look better. I mean, I think Omar Manning's going to and, and Xavier Betts are going to make that when they line up. They're going to make the offense look better, along with Travis Vokalek. Um, they have some size up front now. I mean, they, they got good size up front on the offensive line. Um, Dietrich Mills is a is a, a running back that can play about anywhere. I think Scott has done a good job of putting a higher level of athlete out there, which was needed. I mean, you saw the receiving core last year. It wasn't befitting a power five team. It just flat wasn't. Um, and now I think they've, they've, they've worked to solve that. We'll see what it, We'll see what it, we'll see what it looks like in terms of production. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I was thinking about that today, writing about Deontay Williams and what he 
is going to bring to the secondary after missing all but a quarter of last year to injury. And, you know, he's a guy who, if he's, if he's participating in the combine or something like that next spring, I mean, he's a guy who you expect he's one of the fastest players on the roster. Um, and he's up well over 200 pounds and he's a guy who you'd expect to run in the, in the four, four to four five range at some point. And, and, um, you know, I was thinking about how even after, you know, the 20, after the 2017 season, they did not have guys in the secondary that could run like that. You know, they, they were playing a lot of guys in the secondary um, who, who did not run like that. And obviously, like Chris Jones and Joshua Clue have turned into productive NFL players, both of them. Um, but, but after that, you know, they had guys running 4-7 or 4-8 um, in, in timed 40 settings. And that's just not um, – that, that does not seem like it's going to be the case around here. Um, except with the occasion of maybe a really bigger bodied athlete. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say that the athleticism level overall on the roster um, is on the rise. And then I think so. The key to Size that and athleticism. Yeah, and then the key to that is turning that into you know, production on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's where it starts, right? Like it's, and that's true for football or, or basketball or whatever. Like you got to have the dudes first you know and it's it's obviously varies from sport to sport but you could say the same thing for the basketball program right now the, the athleticism is way better they're going to look way better but how does that translate to production on the court so yeah I mean I think if if you're this coaching staff you feel confident you can develop these guys but if you've got a you know a better baseline to start out from if you've got dudes that run four or five or four four or whatever and don't run four seven or four eight your margin for error gets a little bigger uh, maybe your leash with those guys gets a little bigger. You're able to install things a little differently. So yeah, it, obviously schemes and, and all those things are important, but it's, it's, it's about the Jimmies and the Joes. Like the old saying goes at the end of the day, you got to have them. And, and Nebraska's got more of them now than they have for quite a while. It, it looks like. What about Fred? Does he have the Jimmies and the Joes? What about Fred? <laughs> what about Fred? Fred? <laughs> Fred yeah, Fred, we, talk, we talked to a couple of the Jimmies and the Joes today. We talked to the Kobe and the Teddy today. Kobe Allen or Kobe, Kobe Webster Kobe, and Teddy Allen. Kobe. Kobe Allen, Teddy Webster. Kobe Webster, Teddy, Teddy Allen. Allen. Teddy Buckets. Um, talked to those guys today. They met with the media about 10 minutes apiece. And, yeah, was yeah. was really interesting. Um, two guys that I think we're going we're gonna to hear a lot from this year. Those were the two guys that, that kind of spoke for the team when they did their social justice statement. They're the two guys that – that have spoken first as Nebraska kind of works toward the start of their practice schedule practice to start October 14th for men's basketball. And no, I asked, asked both the guys today, I said, what, what's it been like, you know, did it take you guys a while to, to kind of start to figure out how to play with each other just with the weird schedule guys showing up at different times. And, and Kobe said, you know, it, it probably took about a week. You know, we, we were broken up into small groups at the start. But he said, we all live in the same place. We're around each other all the time. You know, it didn't take long for, for these guys to figure out how to play together. And that's, that's so important. And we already said athleticism, length, size, all that stuff's going to be way better for this team. But the, the kind of hidden stuff, the chemistry, the, the ability to know what another player is going to do, I think that's going to be something that's going to be really improved this year too. You know, and you can just hear it in the way just even those two guys talk today, Kobe and Teddy, just talking about how they fit in, how they, how, how their teammates kind of play, you know, Teddy, Teddy Allen was great talking about um, Delano Banton. He 
and said, you know, there's guys that he's, there's guys that play point guards and there's point guards. And he said, Delano's a point guard. You know, he said he has a great mm. feel for the game. Mm. You know, he understands angles, how to, you know, how to make a certain pass, how to do this, that, and the other thing. I thought that was really interesting. You know, that's a, that's a pretty keen observation from a guy that's maybe been playing with these dudes for, you know, only a month or two, uh, you know, in open gyms and things like that. So that they're, they're interesting. They're really interesting. I, I don't know what that means when they get into the big 10 schedule, but they're a team that's going to be way more athletic than they were last year. I think the chemistry is going to be a lot better. I think the maturity level is going to be a lot better. You know, we saw it last year when things would go bad for Nebraska, things could go really bad. And, and we saw that in a lot of games, uh, especially down the stretch. I think of the Minnesota game being the regular season when they get up 110 points or whatever the heck it was. But this team, like we just talked about with football, it feels different. It's going to look different. And whether it actually is different, it, that remains to be seen. But they've got guys that I think will, will help raise the profile of that team this year. Yeah, I know. I think, I mean, I think you would understand, though, that fans are going to be naturally skeptical. Very, right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, this Very. is a team. They won seven games last year. Yeah, um, and go ahead. So what I wonder immediately, and you can do this because you're the beat guy, is you're, this is what you think about all the time. They, Who are their – would you say their top six or seven guys? Well, I think we saw two of them today, Kobe Webster and Teddy yep. Allen. I think certainly Absolutely. are in that group. Um I think Shamil Stevenson's in that group. I think he's a dude that that maybe it's weird to say, but almost gets overlooked a little bit, if that makes sense, just with all the additions they brought in. He was one of the guys that came in last year, but just such an explosive athlete for his size, 6'6", 240. You know, you talk about Travis Volkolek being being a physical specimen. Shamil's the same way. He almost almost built exactly the same. Um, Delano Banton. Going to yeah. be one of those guys. That's um, cool. That, that lap my end is going to be one of those guys, you know, it's five from, from things we've heard, he might be the best player on the court for them sometimes. And then it gets interesting. You know, is it, is it Ivan Widrogo? Is it Thor yes. who had such a nice year last year? You know, is, is it a, is it another guy? Is it, is it Eduardo Andre come in to play defense? You know, is it, is it, is it one of those guys? So you can name probably, you said five or six, you could probably name six or seven or eight guys that that could be key guys for them and I don't think you could do that last year there's just more there's more talent to go around for sure you better be able to name eight <laughs> you need eight well, you need seven yeah, yeah. well you I throw mean, Derek Walker in that group too I mean that's see. that's enough that's eight guys you know I want to see more of that I don't know I mean I, I you got to get to eight I mean yeah if you if you go into big 10 and you're playing 20 games you only have six that's not enough well and it, the way Fred wants to play too, playing with tempo and playing with pace and, and playing fast, you know, sprinting up and down the court, sprinting on in your, even in your half court sets, which is something Kobe mentioned today. You, you got to have depth. You just have to, or you're going to wear yep. out. And we even saw that with guys last year, they didn't have the depth. And you saw a guy like Thor really wore down at the end of last year, even though he was still playing hard. He just, he just didn't have the legs. I think Ivan, even though he got a lot better, just wore down at the end of the year from the, the physical pounding he took every game inside, you know, you just, you just saw that. So yeah, you, you got to have more depth and, and they do have more depth this year. It's just a matter of how does that depth translate when you get into to big 10 conference play when it's going to be a meat grinder every week. I think those two guys you talked to are critical in this, as far as scoring goes. Yeah. Um, for sure. Teddy Allen, who will be fascinating to watch because he's not a great athlete, but he can, but he's a good scorer. 
You know, he's, how to fill it up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's not, I'll tell you what he's not going to do. He's not going to go down the lane and hit his head on the rim and do a windmill dunk. That's not his game. Not um, like you. Right. Um, and I think Kobe Webster, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of pure shooter he's, but he, he can shoot. I mean, they're going to count. He scored 1,500 points in college already. Like, he can score. Okay. Yeah, um, he can yeah, score. And, and he's, he's, he's quick. He can run the point. They've got depth at the point with Delano and Kobe. Okay. And they do have the they do have the guys that can hit their heads on the rim. You know, Shamil Stevenson's a guy like that. Lat well, Drago's that guy now. Well, Drago's right? gotten a lot more athletic. Yeah, you know they they have those guys, but and that was something Kobe Webster said today too. He said, you know, we've got guys that can shoot. And he mentioned Lat. He mentioned Teddy Allen as somebody who's really shot it well. He mentioned himself. You know, so we've got we've got slashers. You know, you think of a guy like like uh, Trey McGowan's, if he gets his waiver, that's a guy that's going to play a lot of minutes. You know, he started for two years in the ACC. That's a defender. Guy that's a he's a defender. defender. And a, a, and an athlete. He's maybe not going to shoot it, but he can slash and he can go up and hit his head on the rim and dunk it. You know, so they've got, I think, an interesting mix of guys. And it'll be interesting to see, especially if Trey gets his waiver, what that ends up looking like when the season starts. You know, last season, what defined it to me in many ways was they were – they were always running up a, up, up a hill, it, it felt like. And there were so many deflating moments because what happened so often to this team? It would miss a lot of layups, which you guys have played sports, played basketball. When a guy misses a layup, it's really deflating, really, right? Yeah. yeah. When a guy – and then when a guy gets his shot blocked, it's really deflating. And they got their shots blocked a lot, and they missed a lot of layups. That's were, a, those are size issues. Yeah, they were, I think, last in the country in the percentage of their shots they had blocked. And I think they were second to last in the country in the percentage of opponent shots they blocked. And that goes right to what you said, lack of size, lack of athleticism. And Fred Hoiberg, every, every single time we talk to him, he talks about that. We, we got the shots we wanted, but we didn't finish inside. We got our shot blocked. We weren't big enough. And, or we just flat missed, missed layups, missed bunnies. Uh, kills and, you. It, it kills you. And you think about how many games they were in last year. You know, they had Maryland on the ropes on the road. They had Rutgers on the ropes on the road. Well, Rutgers was pretty much unbeatable. They had Indiana in overtime on the road. You know, yeah. they, they, had, yeah. they had good teams right there to get on the road and couldn't do it because they, they, of things like that, because of missing bunnies or getting shots blocked or maybe a chemistry issue or whatever else it is. And I think the hope is, at least with this roster, is you solve a lot of those things because you're so much longer. You're more athletic. And you maybe aren't going to ha- shoot 40% from three as a team. But if you're finishing inside and you're able to defend a little better around the rim, all of a sudden, you know, that, that maybe turns the tide in three or four or five of those games that you lose last year. And that, that does that get you to the NCAA tournament? No, but it gives you a, a, better, a better attitude and better morale going forward saying, hey, we can do this and we can play with these guys and we have the guys to do it. All right, Parker, where do you want to go now? Where do I want to go now? Yeah, I, Barbados no, I, sounds pretty good. Barbados. Yeah, it really does. It really does. <laughs> Let's <laughs> it go to Barbados, like, all three of us. A little, well, little yeah. preseason vacation. Yeah, that would be a it, controversial move in our boss's eyes for sure. Yeah. Well, that, what's he going to do? Him. Fly down there and get us? Well, he's going to fire us. So, uh, <laughs> well, he's going to He's going to, he would well, fire that. us, then he would fly down and join us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Well, if, if we can't go to Barbados, why don't we go to a couple of other tropical Big Ten West locales before we wrap oh, this thing up? It's been an yeah, active, buddy. 
active couple of weeks and, and, and we will throw one big East team into today because uh, Nebraska, you know, Penn State's on Nebraska's schedule, but obviously we had the news a couple of weeks ago that Rondell Moore is going to come back and play for, for Purdue after he opted out. And then today, uh, Rashad Bateman, the, the really talented, you know, first round draft pick wide receiver at Minnesota um, said that he was coming back to, to Minnesota too. Interesting um, because obviously the Gophers are on Nebraska's schedule, but also because Rashad Bateman had hired an agent and received financial benefits from that agent, um, but was still granted eligibility by the NCAA to come back. Obviously, unprecedented uh, situation with the pandemic and with, you know, when he made that decision, the Big Ten had postponed its season and, and, and it wasn't clear, uh, you know, when they were going to play at all. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, so then, so those two are back officially. Uh, James Franklin, Penn State's head coach, said that Micah Parsons, their do-everything, you know, top 10 type draft pick uh, at linebacker, is not going to come back and play this year. So that's two fantastic players that are back on Nebraska's schedule that wouldn't have been if they'd remained opted out in uh, Rondell Moore at Purdue and Rashad Bateman at Minnesota. Then one who Nebraska will not have to face uh, in Micah Parsons at Penn State. Bateman, Nebraska's offensive linemen are really sad they don't have to see Micah Parsons coming off the edge yeah. like 15 times a game. Yeah, or wherever he's coming out of. I mean, he can Where come out about anywhere. Point. As far as Bateman goes, what really jumps out about Bateman, I think you guys would agree, he had 60 catches, which is impressive, but he averaged 20 yards a catch. Oh, I mean, dude's a freak. Yeah, that's yeah. – that, that, and Parker said sort of casually he's a first-round pick. He is a first-round pick. I mean, that's – he, that's yeah. what he is exactly. It's interesting yeah, like though. 15, maybe. Yeah, sort of an interesting discussion because there was a time where I think some people might have said that about Tyler Johnson, and I he slid to the fourth round. Not, six, 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 six round? Six round? Maybe six. later than fourth. Yeah, check that, Parker. He slid in. Now that doesn't mean I'm not taken away from Tyler Johnson. You saw what I saw. He was a great player. Yes. It underscores how difficult it is to be a a big-time receiver in the NFL. But Tyler Johnson doesn't have the speed that Bateman has. Tyler Johnson didn't have great great straight-line speed. Um, I think Bateman has a, a little bit more of that. Fifth round, right in the middle. Fifth the round. round. Yeah. Was that – where did he go to the – did he go to the – Tampa, box? yep. Yeah. Look at Mel Kuyper over here, just knowing. Went to oh, the Bucks. Yeah. fifth round. 160 players taken in the NFL draft for that guy. Yeah, Crazy. every year the draft, every year I watch it, and it's amazing to me the players who don't get drafted or the guys who go low. Like you think, man, that guy was good. Oh, my God, he's sitting there in the fifth round, you know. Like, man, you got to be so good to play in that league, you know. Oh, it's unreal. It's unreal. It is. It really is. All right. Anything else for the good of the order, fellas? No, that was fun. Yeah, it really that was yeah. fun. That was fun. I think we all enjoyed hell? ourselves there. I'm reclined on my couch, half asleep. I had a lot of fun. So. <laughs> Riveting. Riveting stuff. I'm just glad. I just feel – I feel I'm a little concerned that you're really stressing out, Bass. I look – do I look stressed? I feel yes, like I look stressed. No, yeah. you don't. You don't <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're one week closer to football being back. We'll have more for you next week. Talk to you then.